Welcome to Inside the Economy. I'm Larry Howes. Thanks for joining me. Quick view of the numbers. Great news on the consumer price index, the CPI front. It has worked its way up to 2.5% headline inflation. That makes the Fed very happy that it's approaching their 2% target return. Well, it isn't really. It's a struggle to get up there. The PCE, the Personal Consumption Indicator, which is what the Federal Reserve follows more than anything else, isn't quite there. It's still at 1.8. That's just part of the numbers, but down towards the bottom, oil has cracked 70. Uh, I think that the Saudis and the Russians are holding their feet on the hose of supply, basically to get rid of the huge backlog and storage that we had buried around the world. Most of the stored oil has been used, so we're back to what the market is going to start charging. Right now it's 71, so eh, that'll take a price of a gallon of gas up a dime. Won't be dramatic. What is interesting, however, the Fed is continuing to raise rates, and they will probably raise another quarter percent, 25 basis points, here in June, second week of June. But if you look down, and I don't want to make this a homework assignment, but if you look down at the yields that I keep track of, the 30-year is at 3.2. The 10-year is at 3.06. That means if you're investing in a 30-year treasury, you get a tenth of 1% more return for going from 10 years to 30 years. 20 years out, not much. People still buy it. These are sale price yield calculations. So people are buying it. What that tells me and it tells the rest of the bond market is there really is no fear of inflation going forward. People are happy to take a much smaller yield in a 30-year treasury because they don't think inflation's going to work into the system and erode its value. That's very clear. That's part of what the Fed is fighting right now, even though they're trying to get and trying to use inflation as a big number, it really isn't the motive. And uh, I'll show you that in a minute. Uh, consumers are doing a great job. Here is retail sales with gasoline and everything else. They've exceeded where we were in 2006 and 7, doing fine. You know, you could look at that and say, gee, everybody's out spending all their money and uh, don't know any better, but uh, they're not. The lighter blue and the lighter red on this chart are basically the available credit on homeowner line of credit and credit cards. The dark colors, the dark red and the dark blue, that's actually what's outstanding. One, there's a lot of latitude and a lot of credit available to consumers on their credit card, as you can see. They also aren't going overboard on their credit cards, as you can see, and lines of credit, though there's some deductibility issues under the new law, are also shrinking. This is a bunch of consumers that have not spent all of their money and not getting themselves in trouble. The other side of this, and this is the housing market, the blue is availability. This is the number of homes, single-family homes, out on the marketplace. And the white line is a very complex algorithm put together by the realtors that say this is what the supply could be like, but it's more 
how attractive this is in a seller's market. And it's extremely attractive. Part of that is available credit. Part of that is people willing to lend. Part of that is low interest rates. It's complex. But it's very much a seller's market, very little supply. You'd think supply would be pouring into the market. It's not. People aren't selling. All the new properties, and if you've driven around Denver or any metropolitan area in the last couple of months, you've noticed there's a lot of multifamily buildings going up all over the place. Not very attractive for the most part, but that's what's being built. Single-family homes, well, they're at a premium right now, especially in markets like Denver and San Jose. <clears throat> On the technical side, we had a tiny little correction in the stock market here a little while ago. You notice that little peak on the blue line. The red is the ad advanced decline line that's part of the markets, the equity markets. The blue is basically the New York Stock Exchange composite, kind of bigger than the S&P 500. When the blue line is below the red line, as complex as that sounds, basically what you have are advance and decline prices that are uh, doing fine, and the market, the composite, hasn't overvalued itself. The moment it did here a little while ago, boom, market corrected, went back down. We're back down in cheerful, positive territory. This is really a complex, mind-numbing chart. I'm sorry about that. But it's one of the ones I follow very closely. The red is basically the slope of the bond yield curve. What a mouthful. That's the difference between very short bonds, three-month bonds, and 30-year bonds. That's the yield curve. As the red is high, as you see on this chart here, that means the yield curve looks kind of normal. I mean, there's a great gap between what you have to pay and what you get in a 30-year versus what you have to pay and what you get on a three-month note. Well, the yield curve is flattening. We've talked about this quite a bit. The yield curve is flattening. It's not inverting like you were going into a recession, but as it gets flatter, and that's where that red scale is going off to the right-hand side, that means that the market is understanding that the Fed is raising the short end of the curve. They are raising Fed funds, now one and three-quarter percent, probably to two in June, probably two to a quarter in July or August, I forget when the next meeting is. They're raising rates, and the rest of the yield curve is simply having to adjust. When the Fed goes to 2%, we might see mortgages in fives. When they go to two and a quarter, we might see five and a quarter, maybe five and a half. That's just the way the market's going to react. But the black line there is the S&P 500. It's moving great into record territory, and as we've discussed a lot, it's not particularly overvalued. Earnings are wonderful. Probably going to continue to do so. Here's the issue with the Federal Reserve. This is the trend since 2010. This is the 175,000 new jobs being created every month since that time. This is what they are worried about. This is why they're raising rates. They're raising rates because there's a lot of new jobs being created. 
unemployment is already 3.9. They think it'll be 3.5 by the end of the year. That's a very low number. That's where you start to get bad inflation built into the system. That's where you get wage push. That's where you get the frenzy that starts consumers into a cycle of inflation, which we don't want. We don't have that today. We don't want it in the system. So the Fed is raising rates because of this. They don't want 175,000 new jobs every month. They want 90,000, 85, 90. That's sustainable. And until this line comes down to that level, the Fed is not going to start easing off. Now, I think they're going to get there, but, well, we'll see. Here's corporate America, the debt situation in corporate America. If you notice, the next 10 years, $4 trillion worth of corporate debt, investment-grade, high-yield, leveraged loans, roll off, roll out of the system. Corporate America is very wealthy. They just got a tax break, and actually they've been doing great long before the tax, tax break. These bonds are going to roll off. They're going to leave the balance sheets, and corporate America is not even going to have that liability hanging around them anymore. This is very productive for the long-term growth prospects and earnings for your basic corporate America. Now, it's good news in the United States. The other side of the coin here is you go around the world and there's really only one place, well, in a developed economy, one place where interest rates are rising. That's the U.S. The U.K., the Eurozone, Japan, they're all continuing to be flat or in fact falling. Business sentiment globally is starting to soften up a little bit. Some of this is due to trade war issues. Some of it is to a direct impact of a much stronger dollar, which we're seeing, which makes exporting to the U.S. difficult. Rising rates in the U.S. are doing that so they'll slow down the new job creation. So they will slow down the business side of the economy. They don't want to get to the next level, which is inflation on the side of the consumer. Okay, well, finally, and it's very clear that Germany, which is a very important economy to the U.S., is slowing. It's slowing on all fronts. Europe is slowing. They're starting to see the advent of some debt problems. Italy is bringing some problems to the plate. Greece is, well, we don't want to dwell on that, but the Eurozone is going to slow. If the dollar gets stronger, the Euro is probably be, going to be down 111, 110, something like that in the not-too-distant future, they're going to have some trouble exporting. We might change some of the positions in your portfolios. We'll know more later. We're just watching it. Well, thanks for joining me, and uh, I'll see you next time.